In this edition of the podcast, the final coat of paint is dry on the new Shepparton Art Museum and is soon to open. We'll speak with Dr Rebecca Coates, Artistic Director and CEO of SAM, as it's called, about the remarkable new space and about how the region's art collection was established last century with a mere £50 grant. I'm Tim Stackpole and this is Inside the Gallery. Good to have you join us again on the podcast as we acknowledge the original custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded and we acknowledge those Indigenous elders, both past, present and emerging. And of course, we welcome the support of Pixel Perfect Pro Lab, whose contribution is put towards creating the transcripts of our interviews, popular with the hearing impaired. And you can find those transcripts for each episode at www.insidethegallery.com.au and learn more about the professional photographic reproduction services of Pixel Perfect Pro Lab at pixelperfect.com.au. Shepparton Art Museum's collection was established in the 1930s, and by 1960 the collection was one of the few left in regional Victoria that lacked a purpose-built gallery. With the redevelopment of the Civic Centre in 1965, a gallery was incorporated. Significant changes took place in the 70s with ceramics becoming the focus of the collection and collecting policy. The creation of the Victorian State Government Ministry for the Arts in 1972 saw an increase in funding to Shepparton Art Gallery that assisted in growing the collection, which currently houses over 4,000 works of art. Now known as SAM, S-A-M, the new building is an outstanding example of exciting best-practice contemporary museum architecture, a five-storey building housing the museum, visitor centre and the Kayila Art Gallery and Studio, perhaps the only example of a local Aboriginal arts centre sharing the same building and new arts and cultural space with an art museum. The 5,300 square metre building also houses a cafe and event space with a rooftop viewing deck. And to tell us more about it, the Artistic Director and CEO of the Shepparton Art Museum, Dr Rebecca Coates, thanks for joining us via Zoom on Inside the Gallery. Absolute pleasure. Now, the collection that you have, it has quite a history. Just put us in the picture of how all of this came about, how the new building was established, and the history of the gallery, I understand, goes back to like 1936 with some sort of £50 grant. What, what's the story behind that? Oh, I think it's a great story and it's a really interesting story for not just regional regional Victoria, regional Australia, but the sort of aspirations, I think, of what you see uh, in Australia and in that early 20th century. As you say, there was a town clerk who had a, a vision for a really exciting and dynamic part of regional Victoria and he obviously had some partners in crime mm. and managed to secure or get the promise of, you know, a £50 grant to, to work towards uh, a space of art and culture. So they thought, how do we do this? Mm. And they approached the leading portrait painter at the time and Sir John Longstaff was co-opted and he then recommended the acquisition of not one but two works to start the collection in 1936. Right. They were landscape works and he talked about it was largely painting at that stage mm. and the sort of three areas were painting, landscape and still lives. It took quite a while for a work by a woman artist to be acquired and it took quite a while for a work by an Indigenous artist to be acquired, mm. which is no different from the history of many other mm. collections. But I think to your point, 
the fact that a regional, a space in regional Victoria that had a large immigrant population who had come to create a new life, to settle down and make roots, and it was post-Second World War, it was post-Depression. So really the sort of growth of what do we need to live a good life, I think was what I'm hearing. And the fact that they got a leading contemporary artist to actually say it needs to be contemporary art and it needs to be of and for our times has really helped us, I think, in how we've thought about our collection and our role in engaging community. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, Shepparton back then, it was so different to how it is now and to have that type of vision is is quite incredible because arts, as we talk about on the podcast so much, has a tremendous input and influence on the areas where, where the galleries are set up. I mean, it can change the whole perspective of a location simply by having not necessarily contemporary art gallery but some sort of uh, artistic outlook on the world wherever you are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really a good point. And one of the things that I was hugely surprised by when I started as director six years ago was one of the first things someone said to me was, you know, art is elitist. (laughs) And I was so shocked because, you know, I had obviously been working, I I had a long connection with regional Victoria and regional areas. I'd worked overseas. I'd worked in, you know, major institutions. And for me, it was a reflection of our our values and our culture as Mm. much as, and, and art, if you want, was our language, the way that we created a space to talk about sometimes challenging ideas. But I was really interested that this was the first thing that someone had said to me. And I thought, right, how can we how can we shift this? Because mm. I certainly don't think this is the case. Mm. What do we need to do? What are the inhibitors? And how do we make this a space that reflects the community within which we live and work? Mm. You know, mm. so that goes to talking about arts and culture. Because when you say sport is a reflection of culture, the ABC is a reflection of culture, mm. you know, our broadcasting is a reflection of what we value. Mm. Um, people go, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, so there's obviously something there. And I think that that then, as you say, it's a reflection of who we are and where we sit in the world and what we what we dream about, you know. Yes, they yes. go, yeah, yeah. So I think that was one thing. And the other was about when you come into a place, oh, first of all, does the place go out to you? So do you see the sort of permeation of arts and culture in your community? And the answer is yes. So then if you entice them back, whether it's through education or whether it's through workshops and activities or volunteering or just coming and, you know, beautiful time to look at work and talk about something, you know, talk about ideas. It's do you see yourself reflected in that space in some way mm. and and how is it? So is it the um, range of artists that we acquire for the collection? Is it the sorts of topics and ideas that um, artists are exploring that we're picking up in the shows that we curate? You know, that, and I think that that's a really interesting point about how do we make this a place for everyone? So so there's some of the questions that I've been sort of, I think, really focusing on over this last period and that have informed what Sam will hopefully do and how we will grow into this new opportunity of a new building and a new space. Yes, yes. And let's talk about that space. Just thinking about that elitist perspective, and if you think about art galleries established perhaps in the early part of the last century, we're talking about 
great stone buildings, almost castles, mm. if you like. Yeah. But, but the building yeah. that you're moving into, uh, part of it's opened now, apparently, I understand, but the building that you're moving into, <laughs> it's a, a striking modern piece. I mean, how did you come about choosing the architectural direction to take with this? I think that's a, that's a great question. And it's, again, another thing that we've talked quite a lot about over the time. You know, we, in a way, are fortunate. Shepparton doesn't have a history of gold mm. and it doesn't have a history of wool. And regrettably, a lot of its earlier uh, architecture is no more. We have some great examples of modernist architecture with the SPC factory and building. So that <laughs> yes, sort of yes. sense of futurism and what Australia stood for in that growth in the sort of modernist period, I think, is reflected in Shepparton. And there's an awful lot of um, not-so-good architecture. Yeah. But I think the um, the pluses of not being hooked to those Australian largely colonial histories is that we can look back to our multicultural community, our First Nations people, and say if this is a reflection of culture and place, we need to be ambitious, we need to be visionary, and we need to be contemporary because these are the things that we see in the community, innovation, entrepreneurship, taking a risk and creating a new space and new home. So they were some of the things that we talked about in the architectural competition brief and really invited architects to respond to that and Mm. do it in a way that actually was exciting, Mm. you know, that they'd go, I might have done um, you know, in DCM's case, I might have we, we might have designed the Museum Victoria, but this is something we haven't done before. This mm. is really interesting. Mm. So we got 88 applicants. They were every single architect you could say you could easily have built a museum with. They were fabulous, yeah. you know. So we were really blessed. We worked with the Institute of Architects to have the competition endorsed because we were very, very keen that this was something that they wanted to have on their CV. They wanted to say, I've been part of this experience and it was a good experience mm. and do it in a way that was sort of best practice, um, that was open to real innovation and design and rooted in the location and the place and people. And then we shortlisted five architectural groups. They were invited to develop stronger concept designs and from that an expert jury selected the proposed winning architect. It then had to be endorsed by council because this is the council yes, yes, project. Yes. So council owns the building and Shepherd and Art Museum has now moved from council and we're an independent, you know, not-for-profit arts organisation. So that also happened as part of our move. So we we lease it from council as a peppercorn rent. But I think the go back to your question about the building, the architects really embraced that those principles, if you want, the values of innovation, vision. We weren't tied to the temple of learning or mm. the temple of enlightenment mm. sort of architectural form. And that gave a real freedom to the architects to respond to the landscape and nestle a very strong, as you say, striking and visionary building that's very simple, if you want, into its Indigenous landscape and place. Yeah. It has a great strength, I think, looking at it amongst the landscape there. It's a bit hard to describe, of course, audio-wise in, yeah. in the podcast. Yeah, well, it's a huge cube. Mm. It's a big cube and it's it's four storeys. It's actually five five storeys high and it's very simple and very restrained and very refined from the outside. And I think initially a lot of the responses were, oh, it's a little imposing. But when you get into the building and so we have opened up the ground floor because there's so much interest in the building and because this has been a challenging year for us all with COVID and 
We were originally hoping to open earlier in the year. COVID hasn't allowed that. Mm. So we have opened up the ground floor and the Sam shop is open and people can come in uh, with, you know, within COVID restrictions that have opened and closed, opened and closed all year. And they can look up and get a sense of the building. And the response that we have had from the public coming in is that it is an enveloping and welcoming and quite human scaled interior. Mm. It's got it's got a wow factor. It's got a wonder. It's got that sense of sort of cathedral-like space. And yet it's a very human scale that's quite intimate. Mm. So I think that there's that play of outside and inside. And again, thinking back to Shepparton and the place, you know, it's searingly hot in summer. It's freezingly cold in winter, so big extremes of climate and temperature. And it's tough. It needs to be a strong building that that is proud of its position. If we are hoping that through arts and culture we can become an, a, a place of meeting, a place of pride, a reflection of culture and a reflection of people, then it's got to be a building that that is a, a bit of a destination and a beacon, yes, I think. Yes. And so that in, in a flat landscape... Uh, and it is it is very flat in Shepparton. You know, it is the fruit bowl and the, the food bowl of Victoria. You know, we are the tallest building in Shepparton. Mm, mm. And I think you're right in terms of what you said earlier with, with art having to reach out to the community as well. Even at a very basic level, driving past and seeing the building, if anyone was not familiar with what it was, you would go, what's that? Yeah. It, it, would, it would be like a, a huge, uh, it's like a punctuation mark on the trip to say, yeah, well, think- we've got to take a look at what this is. And I I remember when I first started at SAM, there's a wonderful building on the other side of the sort of wetlands lake. And I thought, oh, goodness, it's sort of quite modern architecture and I wonder what it is. Is it it a school? (laughs) And it turns out to be Aquamoves, which is the recreation space and the swimming pool, the old 50-metre outdoor swimming pool, which is one of my most favourite swimming places in the whole of Australia, I think. Uh But I thought, you know, that's interesting because it draws you over and you Mm. want to know Mm. what it is. So. I think that sense of placemaking is going to be very important in the building. The fact that people who perhaps don't want to come to see an exhibition, first of all, yep. you know, will come and they might come and have a coffee. They yes. might come four times to, you know, I'll meet you at Sam, have a coffee yes. or let's walk around the lake. And then maybe the fifth time they'll drop in and go, well, I wonder what is happening mm. in that gallery. And mm. that that for us is a big win. Mm. I think the biggest win will be I'll meet you at Sam. That's the great opportunity in, in creating a a destination, as you say, it's it's difficult for some galleries because of where they are positioned. If I think in terms of Sydney, the Art Gallery of New South Wales, it's in a beautiful location in the domain, but you do have to leave the central business district to go and meet someone there for a coffee, which is quite different, can I say, to the Museum of Contemporary Art, which is positioned right at Circular Quay in Sydney. People who know Sydney will know what, what I'm meaning. And their cafe is heaving outside of COVID yeah. times. You're, however, you are somewhat outside of the central business district of Shepparton, if I can put it that way. So yeah, we are. Are you going to have to work a little bit harder in that sense in order to become that point of destination? I I think. I mean, I think we've all been thinking good and hard about this for quite some time. Mm. Um, and you know, I think that the MCA, as you say, has got the rock star position mm. in um, in Sydney and a visibility of architecture and place that I think is really great. We have a similar visibility of architecture in place. And I think regional Australia is still very much a car experience. Okay. Now, yeah. I'm not saying it should be, yeah. but I think, you know, again, over the last six years, 
the number of sort of articles that I've seen in the local newspapers about should the mall be opened up, should we be able to park for free, mm. uh, how does parking help, you know, increase um, visitation to local shops. You know, these are all the things that uh, have a visibility in a regional centre mm. that is actually much less relevant in Melbourne or Sydney yes. or other capital cities because of the public transport factor and mm. because 20-minute drive is, um, you know, that'll get you quite a long way <laughs> out of the town. Yep. So you're a lot more used to jumping in the car mm. and, you know, a half-hour trip is neither here nor there mm. to go and pick up the mail. So I think that that sense of distance and the expectations of what you will do to get somewhere is a little different. Yep. So that I think that's one thing. But I think we're mindful of a number of things within that that I think we're trying to sort of push. One is given that it is still a car, I call it car city, we've got electric car plugs so that you can drive your little, not necessarily Tesla, but drive your electric car and, you know, there's a charging point. So, you know, this idea of sustainability and being mindful of the environment is something that we have kept very much at the forefront of our mind in building a new museum Mm. and it's six star rated. We do, uh, if we think about Bendigo and the sort of um, what they've done with public transport, working with V-Line and the destination sort of experience of show, lunch and a nice trip on the train, I think that that is a real opportunity over the next few years. This sort of, as the borders regrettably have closed down, Mm. regional tourism has increased Mm. because we all need to do something. We need a a point of difference at the weekend. We need to have a semblance of normality in an unnormal world. So I think that that's going to be another thing too. We are on this Melbourne, you know, the Melbourne to Shepparton Road. So we are the first thing that people see as they come in sort of off the Hume Freeway and I think from that part of town. And I think that's quite important, again, as this sort of placemaking and destination Mm. sort of aspect. So it is a bit different. The real opportunity that I see at a local level and linking us to the centre of town, which is only I've... It, it's a 10-minute quick walk. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. it's not that long. Yeah. Is, again, wayfinding or that sort of experience of linking to the train station, walking through town and making it as a point, a sort of journey. Mm. So I would see sort of public art and sort of narrative opportunities as absolutely fantastic. You know, mm. I, I think it's a real opportunity. You, you recognise what could be a challenge and say, is there something within this that we could make this quite a unique experience? And in terms of the influence as well, can you see this kind of changing the perspective of Shepparton? I mean, how far do you think your tentacles can reach in terms of having art accepted further into the community? I have observed, as I say, look, I've been, my family's lived regionally for three generations, but the city country thing, I think, it's been very interesting to sort of work between. Mm-hmm. And I've observed a real change in the way that Shepparton has been viewed over this last six years. Uh-huh. And and I think that's in part about building up a pride. It was very much seen as this sort of difficult place with high youth unemployment and a lot of social issues. And that story of innovation and entrepreneurship and the story of vision and the story of um, success, if you want, I think, mm. in a regional centre was, was not the narrative mm. that was told. I have observed and many others have also said that that perception, self-perception and perception of place is changing. And I think 
these sort of ambitious projects with vision and leadership and very clear reason for being will help people to understand that things can evolve. So I think we... I think we will play and we already are playing a very key role in this change. Mm. I want to come to some of the exhibitions that you have planned, but before we do that, since we're, we're, we're so philosophical about this at the moment, and certainly over, <laughs> the, uh, over the last 18, 20 months, there's been a, a big change in perspective about what's important in life and particularly in, in working life and how we undertake our, yeah. our day. Now, coming to the hopefully the end of this challenge that the world has seen, I've seen as we come to the end of this year, there's there's a bit of a departure from what's important in the cities. And I'm talking about in terms of the personnel that I'm seeing working in major art institutions in capital cities. Key personnel are deciding for whatever reason that there are opportunities elsewhere outside of the city. So it's kind of like they've reached a pinnacle of their profession but now they're going yeah. back perhaps to their roots. I don't want to name names, but in particular, we've got some some major curatorial players in arts who are going yeah. back to smaller towns, going back to work yeah. with smaller foundations. And yeah. I just wonder if the timing is now really right for institutions such as yours in what we might call regional areas to really mature in the market and to become, as you say, destinations not only for the public, but for what I might call higher power professionals in the art industry, if I can call it that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, again, about six years ago, probably, and maybe you're more aware of it when you're making the move, you know, I think there are a number of my friends and colleagues who um, made quite specific decisions about opportunity. And Mm. so we'd all worked internationally, we'd worked in leading institutions and state and national institutions and I think there was this, so we talked about this recognition that there were opportunities to do things differently. In some ways, there were greater freedoms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, you could make your own luck. And it, it was tougher in a way because you needed to build your own tribe sometimes. But I think you're right. I think that there, you're seeing this now around Australia particularly. And, and this is something that's always happened in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. it's always happened in the States, it's happened in um, many other parts of the world. So I think it's really interesting and I think you're right. The the two sort of, apart from the unbelievable fatigue I think we're seeing across the arts and cultural space, you know, and we will keep going but it's like the exhaustion mm-hmm. I think is huge. Mm-hmm. The, the two things that we've talked a lot about in terms with my team in terms of sort of culture and what we've what we've missed or what we value is a sort of sense of community we've really missed seeing our artists and our colleagues and those conversations that we perhaps took for granted you know I think that's something that sense of community or connectedness is something that we will take with us and the world has also shrunk in some respects and I don't think while we say we're going back to normal I don't think that we'll ever be as it was before I think if you look back to the Spanish flu I was wondering why there's no art, really. There are only a few paintings and there are a couple of literary texts, but there's actually nothing from the Spanish flu. This is in January last year, and I did quite a lot of research around it, thinking, why is this so? I think after the, you know, 18 months and it will be two years that we've been through this, 
I think we'll all want to forget. Mm. So I think that sense of connectedness and the things that get us up in the morning, the things that we love and the things that bring us joy, we're we're missing a lot of the joy Mm. at the moment. Mm. And I think, again, this is where we can play a key role as a great workplace, as a leader and builder of culture, as a sense of excitement and fun, a place of learning and to engage and, and to remind ourselves that, you know, that, these are the things that link us with others. Yeah, and and art is so far-reaching. It's it's a broad term, and yeah, and as you say, when it comes to connecting with the community, it can range from the graffiti on the street to this uh, fanzine zine culture that we're kind of seeing as well, up to fine art, classic art, sculpture, even galleries host uh, performing arts performances as well. That. Totally. That connection. I want to see, you know, slam poetry. I want to see <laughs> yes. the knitters and spinners breaking the Guinness Book of Records with the most number of spinning wheels throughout the building. Mm. I, and it's not that it's high and low art. It's a it's a reflection of culture. And we work with outstanding artists who are at the peak of their game. And I think sometimes the others who are not involved in this arts and cultural space can see it as deceptively simple. They don't understand that that to do something like that and to be able to create the space to have these conversations is usually artists who are at the peak of their game. You know, we make it, I think we sometimes make it look too easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing because what the arts community want to do is provoke but entertain as well. I mean, there's no point in creating work which is not going to engage people. No, that's right. I've always said as a curator, it doesn't matter how good your show is if people don't come. Yes, Yes, yeah, and they see the value in coming as well. We need to move on and talk about exhibitions, what, what you've actually yes. got planned yeah. coming up. Now, the building is due to open on the 20th of November. What can we see following that? So we are going to open on the 20th of November, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. We will work within the COVID restrictions. So we'll, when we open, we'll, we'll do a range of, we'll continue to do a range of sort of online and also in-person experiences. From the 20th, the whole building will be open, so the the whole five floors. There will be exhibitions. We've got four new main exhibition spaces, so uh, a large permanent collection space where we've got an exhibition that draws on more recent acquisitions and the exhibition is titled Flow, so stories of people and place. We're launching with a major new exhibition, which has been co-curated by two of my colleagues, Belinda Briggs, who's a proud Yoda Yoda woman here and has been on on the team for five years with me, and Shelley McSpedden. And that's a show of Lynn Onis's work. He's a Yoda Yoda man who has never shown on country before. So we this is a really exciting thing. It's enabled us to work with the community. It is very much co-led and I think there's a sense of an artist and a family coming home as mm, well, mm. Um, which is which is quite moving. I, mean, I, I feel enormously honoured to have worked with his family and to start talking about how can we do this, what is our role. We've got a kids' space for the first time, so we're working with Amrita Happy. Again, we've responded because of COVID and, you know, this sense of participatory and engaging, doing that safely and sensibly in a COVID context was something we were very mindful of. So it's it's a beautiful sort of human movement. It's an invitation and response. 
I'm really hoping that everyone just gets going and has a go and really enjoys this. Um, and Amrita has done some beautiful sort of choreography and sort of thinking about how we move and engage and connect with people through art. We've got a dedicated community gallery space, which is called the Williamson Gallery, and we're launching that program with an exhibition called Fresh, and it's top art and design students from the Golden Valley region mm-hmm. who, of course, all had their final year exhibitions cancelled yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. So we've worked with the school kids to say, you know, listen, you've done something amazing over the last two years of homeschooling. We want to support you. We want to support your families. We want to show that you're part of a community through arts and culture and your teachers who have supported you for all this time. So there's a huge excitement about that show as well. And the bit that people, I think, are not as aware of is that the whole building is a living, breathing space to show and work in. So we've got new commissions throughout the building, not just in the galleries, and we've embedded display cabinets throughout the building that will showcase the ceramics collection, which, of course, Sam is recognised for. Uh And then probably the last thing I think is worth just touching on is that we're very aware that with this strong building, which is you can see through at a ground level, so it's got that lovely flow feeling, you know, that's good design has so that it's not blocked off to the outside public space. We've created what I call our Gertrude Street window equivalent in regional Victoria, and we've got a commission space on the exterior of the building. So it's like a window display area that we're inviting artists to create commissions for. So when the building is closed at night, you can still be part of the building. Mm. You can still see art. Mm. And we've invited Marie Clark, who's a Womba Womba Yorta Yorta woman, to create a new commission, and she's worked with elders to create this new work specifically for this context and this opportunity. And on the outside of the building too, in in that sort of public-private play, we've got a wonderful new artwork, public artwork by Tony Albert that stands really strongly, like this sort of beautiful sentinel of shared walking together, if you want, at the entrance of the museum. So there's going to be a lot to see and a lot to do and Mm. I'm hoping that people because we are free to the public and for the first year or so we will remain free so that people get this on their radar and we don't want money or financial imperatives to be an impediment to owning and being part of this building Mm. we hope that people will drop in and you know sort of do your shopping in a five-minute drop-in. Just have a look at one artwork. It doesn't. You don't have to put your lipstick on and you know dress up <laughs> to come to the gallery. Come in in your high-vis vest. You yes. know, it's it is for and of the people. Talking about this level of detail that you're going into here, and like you said earlier, it look as if you're doing it very easily. Going back, however, to the original gallery, which was pretty much attached, if not part of, the council chambers. So at, at one yeah. end you had the council offices where where people were paying their council rates and complaining about their car parking tickets and infringements. And, <laughs> their and, parking fines. Yeah, and, yep. and then you had the you had the gallery sort of it. Wedged in the middle. And now now you've got this this own dedicated space which is beautiful and fantastic, to use the superlative. Given your international experience, however, how much further does Australia need to go in order to actually recognise the arts for what they should be recognised for? 
Uh, look, I think that's an interesting, it's a really topical and interesting question. And I think there's been a lot of discussion this year about advocacy and what we can do. I think I think we need, I think you've got to be in the room to change the discussion. That's right. number one. Yeah. I think we've also got to learn how to find the language that non-believers speak without dumbing down what we do, making it relevant. And we need them to then be our advocates as well as us. So I think there are a few things. I think we've got, so the answer to your question is we got a long way to go. Yeah. And I think that that's, I could say it's disappointing and I could say, you know, when I worked in the UK and Europe, it was across the newspapers, it was mm. across the tabloids, it was, there was a level of engagement and discussion that was just a given. Mm. But I think that's, I think that's a, it's not irrelevant, but that's not going to change things. So I think we've been very good at saying, ah, oh, but it could be or it should be. This is where we are. And I think we need we need everyone to talk about the value and why it matters. So we are super smart and we have great people in our midst. What we're doing in terms of building and being a part of a strong and identifiable culture is no different from sport in some respects. Mm. In fact, there are more people that go to arts and cultural events than they do the sport. You know, um, yes. We know that. Mm. And yet that's not a message that comes through. Mm. So I think we say, well, what is it about sport that people love and why do you have this grassroots? And it's about identification. It's probably the only thing in Australia where you can actually try and achieve the best that you can without being shot down as a tall poppy. Mm. So it's about excellence. And that's all accepted in Australia. And yet my argument would be for those people who aren't part of that, should they miss out on that sense of community, that sense of, you know, being part of something, the sense of feeling good and getting up and, and giving it a go. So I think that there are very clear arguments that we can make for those people who don't necessarily drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. But when you explain it like that, they go, yeah, well, of course that's right. Yeah. Well, that's logical. So I think I think we've got a bit of a way to go because I am convinced now more than ever that we need arts and culture in our lives. That is the bit that we've been missing. And that sort of light bulb moment when we were locked out of our institutions that we work in and we weren't seeing and working with our artists, I thought I realised how often I clearly snuck into the collection to get away from the meetings, yeah, you know. Yeah. To, and I and I realised that I'd probably have conversations, I'm um, sound quite mad, but conversations with the artworks because I thought I was talking to my friends, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think that's the bit that we we perhaps a little have taken for granted because it's always been in our lives. And if we can reaffirm that need for a connectedness through arts and culture and what we what we would love to share with people, I think that would be an enormous achievement. Rebecca, we've come to learn so much about you in this conversation as well. And there's a bit of a tradition which has started up in this podcast is for me to ask some rapid-fire questions to wrap up the conversation. Are yeah. you cool to go yeah. ahead with those? Of course. Okay, so this is actually borrowed from James Lipton from the Actors Studio. So your time starts now. What's your favourite film? I was going to say anything Italian, but I think I have to say The Ark. And your favourite actor and performer? Tilda Swinton. Mm, very good. Your favourite song? Oh, probably either Maria Tabaldi or Soul Funk. Oh, very good. <laughs> your general preference, here we go, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Uh, depends on the drive. Well, automobile or motorbike? Automobile and preferably two-door in Italian. Okay. Does pineapple ever belong on pizza? Certainly not. One place you'd like to visit but you haven't? Darwin. 
What's your favourite word? At the moment, it's hilarious, and I'm not sure it's it, it's ironic. <laughs> your least favourite word? Nice. What sound or noise do you love? Birds. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, Formula One. What profession? I love Formula One. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think that's really hard. I, I, that You've got me stumped on that one. That's a pass. That one's all right. What's the biggest surprise you ever got? Uh, probably having children. If you could change one thing, what would that be? Equality and inclusion. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? That God's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I was a woman all along. I know. I know. How good would that be? Uh, Rebecca, thank you very much for your time, and we really appreciate all that input and philosophy you've given us on Inside the Gallery today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to speak. That's the Artistic Director and CEO of the Shepparton Art Museum, Dr Rebecca Coates there. And if you want to jump online and take a look at the upcoming program schedule, head to shepartonartmuseum.com.au. Okay, that's shepartonartmuseum.com.au. And of course, remaining COVID safe in some form, if not completely, the entire museum is scheduled to open on November the 20th. That is the podcast for now. Thanks for joining in. Don't forget the transcripts of all episodes are available at www.insidethegallery.com.au. Thanks to Pixel Perfect Pro Lab. And there are links at our website as well to our Facebook and Instagram pages. And you can join our mailing list there too at www.insidethegallery.com.au. I'm Tim Stackpool. Thanks for your company and we'll catch you once again soon. Bye-bye for now.